Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. We're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. Apparently over in Spain, they're suffering. Madrid yesterday, 46 degrees in the shade at nine o'clock in the morning. It's absolutely unbelievable. I think somebody's died. It is possible. And pussy cats everywhere in apartments. I know because I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday uh, and he said the cat's lying there going, make it go away, make it go away. It's terrible. Anyway, we want you to stay. And judging by the latest audience figures, stay you are. Because it's the only place on a Sunday morning where you get the, uh, the papers, you get the honest Stories out of the papers. We don't deal with any rubbish. Well, we have some rubbish celebrities, but I mean, you get that every day of the week. Uh, so Gavit arrests Gavin Rossdale, axed from The Voice. All that means, really, when they say axed from The Voice, what they mean is they've given him a year's contract. He's done a year and they don't want him again. Uh, the climb down with the National Trust Chiefs over the gay pride badges row. I don't really see what, you know, what on earth the National Trust were thinking of here. They outed a bloke who didn't really want to be outed, unfortunately. And then they went, because he was gay. I mean, all his godchildren are going, what's that got to do with it? What is that? Should we go through the National Trust and try and find out which of the hierarchy are gay and which aren't? I'd be interested, wouldn't you? They must be obsessed with it. And so they wanted their guides to wear badges supporting gay pride. Some of them have been there for ages, although the Daily Mail got a bit carried away and said, oh, 75 people had walked off. Nothing like that at all. Because if you're a National Trust guide, you kind of like the job. But what they were doing, outing this bloke, who very generously gave them his house. You begin to wonder whether or not... Let's go through all the charities, shall we? How many people working at the RSPCA are gay on their top board? Should we be told? Of course we should be. If the National Trust are outing people, which is really good. Even the Godchildren say, what's it got to do with them? He was a very private person. Didn't want to be outed. Ridiculous. Came from a different time. Uh, and who are we talking about here? Come on, you'll never guess. A cheat? A fake, a liar, and a preening peacock with a pathological need for attention. Yes, some of the glowing reviews from the wife of Chris Eubank. That's what she said he is. I always thought he was a fake, didn't you? When he sort of turned up on the Mrs Merton show years ago with his monocle and his briefcase. What do you take a briefcase on set for? I've got no idea. Perhaps he had his sort of court papers in there or something like that. And, uh, and he talked talk like this. And, it, and he was, I was sort of listening to him thinking, it's all a bit bizarre, isn't it? There's something odd about it. He used to go up and down, probably still does, Brighton Seafront on his little scooter handing out signed photos. Seriously. He would go and look for people. And then he's, he's got a monster truck. Monster, monster. And he would go up and down the seafront and then people would get an autograph for him. He, but obviously, but I mean, I, I don't know whether or not, I mean, she obviously knows him better, doesn't she? Amir Khan, who's exhibited himself on the internet, rather unwisely, I thought, uh, has now split from the wife because apparently she's... Um, She's sort of, I don't know, they just split. People don't last five minutes with relationships nowadays. I mean, it's heaven's about like going through Sarah Harding's address book, you know, and trying to find somebody she's still talking to. Poor soul, in the house, I want people to see the real me. We don't want to see the real you. We really don't give a stuff about the real you. I'm sorry to, to burst your little bubble at the age of 35, but you really need to get some, some sort of medical help. So we've had two stories, two two-page stories, since she went in the Big Brother house. This is the, the failure at singing, the failure at acting, the failure at just about everything. And now, apparently, it's all to do with having one of those toxic relationships. It's always everybody else's problem, isn't it? Always everybody's problem, except the person themselves. You know, the people who need the medical help sadly never quite get it, but they should do, because they obviously don't realise. And she thinks that people are interested in her. So she's done it three times now. I want people to see, you know, the me behind the mask. We don't care. 
We don't care. We know you're not a great actress. We know you can't do accents. That's a fact. We know your singing's not up to much. You know, I mean, we don't care. Why don't you just get it? We don't give a stuff. You're 35. Get a proper job. You're turning into the Daniela Westbrook and the uh, and the Kerry Coke toner. You know, the people who live by the media and die by the media. You know, they sort of, they do a story that, oh, this is awful, that's all. Get on with your lives. Stop blaming everybody else for your own failings. And Sarah Harding, the rubbish here. You know, I'm really quite a private person. Oh, do one. Do one. I mean, a private person. That's why you're on Big Brother, is it? Yeah, I'm a really private person too. God in heaven. Uh, anyway, uh, Liam Gallagher, I mean, as, as now said, he gets plenty of attention from fellas as well as ladies. What, what are you saying, Liam? You're a gay pinup. I don't think you are. I don't think you are. I can't think of any gay men off the top of my head who go, oh, that Liam Gallagher, he's a bit of a sort, isn't he? No, they just go, that's that plank, isn't it? Uh, also, Katie Price wants to do Dancing on Ice, provided they cough up enough money. For a woman with so little talent, it's quite amazing. Perhaps she needs the money. Perhaps she doesn't have all the money that people, people seem to think she has. And also, um, Namibia's last lion has been saved. So that's good news, isn't it? I like that. This is because they, they auctioned it to the highest bidder. And I think they were looking for 50000 to to £100,000 for somebody to go out and shoot this last lion. And I'm thinking, are you sick or something? Why would people want to go out and shoot a lion? It's, it's, it's of no interest whatsoever to me or to anybody else. It's just, oh dear, it's awful. Uh, also, the, uh, the, what was the other one? Oh yes, the, the little seaside resorts around this great and pleasant land of ours that are slightly snooty. You know, they always said, you know, all sorts of places like Frinton and places like that. They don't, they don't really want many of you there. They just want it for the local. And I quite like that idea. I like that idea because it sort of it sort of preserves it. You don't want the yobbos going there. Magaluf, Magaluf, 22 couples have been arrested for having sex in public. What a bunch of tramps. Apparently now in Magaluf, there are hookers. There are hookers working the streets in Magaluf. I mean, admittedly, most of the people over there are drunk. Most of the people over there seem to be, all the ones that we've seen so far, from up north. I don't know, you don't, I mean, Londoners, I think, are a bit wise to this one, so they, they've all gone somewhere else. Can't think of anywhere they've gone to, but they certainly aren't going to uh, Magaluf, which is it's, it's for the down-market people. It's, it's for all the people who are tattooed from top to bottom, who want to, and I mean bottom, who want to go out there and they want to have sex with as many people as possible. It's like Love Island, but without being filmed. And without any sort of reward at the end, you know, because apparently all the people on Love Island are just so intellectually fantastic that they're all doing appearances in nightclubs for up to £10,000 an hour. Truth of the matter is, they're not. They get about two and a half to three grand. And once you've been seen in a few nightclubs, nobody cares. Nobody cares. So you're that old bimbo, himbo, who had sex on the television. Whoopie-doo. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, also... The 21 ways on the programme this morning, between now and seven, that you try to make up after a lover's tiff. So you go out with somebody. We went out, there was, uh, we went out on uh, Friday. There were five, one, two, three, six of us. Was it six? I'm trying to work out now. One, two, three, four, five, six of us. Seven. God, I can't even tell you how many people. Anyway, we all go to Little Italy and uh, we're all in the business. We're all in, in the wonderful business of radio. And so, of course, we talk about radio, which, which seems a bit... It's like Coles to Newcastle. It's nice. Don't get me wrong. I love talking about radio. But I'm always amazed at audiences for other radio stations. And um, uh, as you know, LBC has done particularly well in the audience stakes. I mean, Sunday morning, I mean, the spike is like... Pfft, 
during the week, the spike is <laughs> fantastic. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. It's, uh, I mean, it's even better than our wildest dreams. It couldn't be better. And sun, uh, sun, Saturday morning as well, which is good. Uh, because we get the best of Steve Allen and the In Conversation. Fantastic audience figures. I mean, seriously, you know, it was nice. So we were all talking about it, and a couple of the people there hadn't had great, great results from, from Rajar, which is the the radio working out how big your audience is kind of thing. And, uh, and a couple of them, or well, one of them actually in particular, was telling me how big their breakfast show was on the radio. And I was quite surprised that when you go out of town, how small some of the, uh, some of the breakfast shows are. I said, on, on one of them, uh, I, I said, I get more than that at four in the morning. I mean, I'm sort of, I'm getting phenomenal figures. But only because it's four in the morning and, you know, people are sort of just wandering. I mean, five o'clock on a Sunday morning, if you had a, if you had a look at the spike, if I could show you the spike now, there it is, uh, you know, you'd be going, wow, there is no competition. And the answer is, there isn't. There isn't any competition. And provided people find what you're saying entertaining and witty and humorous and honest, it works. Well, it certainly appears to have done this time round, I'll tell you. I mean, I, th- I think we're all going home with sort of goodie bags or something. It's just amazing. We're having the... Uh, we always have to sit down and go through it. First of all, you have to do what they call a, a debrief, which isn't what you think about going in without your pants on. It's, uh, it's a, a debrief where they sit down and go through your figures. And they say, would you like to know what your figures are? And I've always... I've, I've sometimes got a bit of a heads up on the audience figures because I've had a little check on a few sites and things like that. So I, I sort of get a bit of a heads up. So I can always say to myself... OK, I think that's going to be OK. And then somebody else will say, have you seen your figures? And you go, uh, yeah, they're OK. So the boss sits down and we go through the... He goes, it's fantastic. I mean, he, you, you haven't wiped the smile off his face in the, in the best part of about four days. It's seriously, I mean, it's just, it's just unreal. And it's quite nice. So I'm very grateful. So I did tweet the other day, how many times can we say thank you? About two million times we can say thank you for choosing LBC. But, um, but don't, no, not just me. Next week, Matt Fry's going to be here, and he's sitting in for, uh, for Nick Ferrari. So Matt Fry will be here. I think... Um, any other chain? I'm trying to think. It's not a bank holiday, is it, tomorrow? Is it bank... No, I didn't think so. Mark, my producer, for... In... for... Oh, Ian Payne's in for Andrew Castle today, right. But I, my, my producer, Matt, said, we got an interview on Monday, said, but it's bank holiday, and I wrote back, is it? I, don't th- I didn't think the bank holiday was until the end of the month. That's what I thought. Unless, unless Mark's got a bit confused about the whole thing. But anyway, so do let me know when the bank holiday is. Jessica says, um, I walk past Maplin's and I think of you. God, that's about seven years ago. There you go. It's 28th of August. What, what's the matter with it? Is that a Monday? Oh, it is a Monday, yeah. But, but it's, we haven't got to the 28th of August. I hope to God we haven't because I've got to go and get um, uh, an MOT on the car. Sorted out the insurance and everything. I just need the MOT but for the end of the month. So it's... Oh, in Scotland, it's the 7th of August. Oh, that's why, he's got, that's why he's got confused. That's why he's got confused. Oh, bless him, honestly. Anyway, apparently Gemma Collins was on Big Brother's Bit on the Side. She's psychic. No, I think she's physic, actually. But something the matter with her. They've started plugging the fact she's still back up. Still the same size. Still the same. I mean, she looks enormous next to my producer. Next to Julian. Mind you, next to, to Julian, a pencil looks uh, huge. He's sort of... Seriously, I mean, you are a thin person... Very thin person. But some people don't need to eat very much. They've just got different metabolism. I've worked on the assumption we're all the same size. It's just that some people don't put on weight and some people put on weight. And those of us who put on weight, it won't be through any fault of your own apart from... And it's not overeating, believe you me. I mean, yesterday, do you know what I had yesterday? I had a toasted ham and cheese sandwich, twice, and a cup of coffee and some cheese. That was it. That's all I ate yesterday. 
I didn't eat anything else, mainly because the heavens opened. I thought, I'll go and water the baskets. We're down to one, by the way, in the hanging basket state. I'll go and water the basket. Open the front door, and it's like a deluge. Within half an hour, it all cleared up, and it's all sunny again. So it makes the car look clean, which is lovely, but only for a brief period of time. So I thought, oh, I can't cope with this weather. And then having spoken to friends of mine over in Spain, going, it's so hot, it's so hot over here, I can't believe it, and it's difficult. And I suddenly realised why. If you go to Vegas, and it's turned into a bit of a... I hate to say this because I was a big fan of Vegas, but I've spoken to three people now who've been there and said it's turning into a dump. It's turning into the hotels, the cheaper end of the market, who are sort of having hen parties and stag parties and everything else. And apparently it's quite ghastly. It's not what Vegas is supposed to be there for. But you are in the middle of the desert, so it's consequently one of the hottest places you could ever get to. You walk out on the streets, you last about ten minutes. You need a bottle of water with you. You really do. You don't want to sort of... It's just, it's just absolutely atrocious. So uh, if you're going there, you know, for holiday, have a nice time. But just remember, if you're in the cheaper end of the market, it's full of these horrible stag and end parties. And you don't want... They're just constant drunks. It's turning into, like, Magaluf. Because it's cheap, because they want you to gamble. But the drunks out there, they're not gambling. They can't even stand up half of them, can they? Bit embarrassing. Uh, the other story, which we'll come round to in a moment... Um, uh, was what? What was the one I quite liked? Oh yes, the VNA. I don't really want to. I don't really want to dwell on it because I think it's been done to death. Uh, of banned breastfeeding mums, but yet I suppose because they're a little bit worried about seeing you know boobies. But in fact, if you go through the VNA, the whole place is full of statues with boobies. Not only statues with boobies, men with little winkles as well. They're all stark naked. Honestly, Rome must have been one pervert paradise. Everybody was naked. Did anybody have clothes on? Because all the statues, and I think there's only a few of them in the V&A, have actually got clothes on. The rest of them are stark naked. So that's why they had a bit of a problem with sort of banning naked photographs in books, because they go, wait a minute, if you actually ban a naked picture of somebody, you'll have to ban all the museums. The British Museum has got, um, I think, which is the one that's got uh, the Statue of David? Is that, that's the V&A, isn't it? The Statue of, well, it's enormous, except that. And that's quite small. And it's, you've got this huge statue of David, huge statue of David. And it's, it's returned to London. And uh, it's been, in, uh, been back for a while. It's a cast, actually. It's a cast of David. But it's, it's all, it's not really in proportion. It's not really in proportion. Then I think they added a fig leaf because they didn't want to sort of show people his tinkle. Because I thought, <laughs> they thought that was, uh, it's so small. I mean, Seriously. It's really, you know, you get sort of a huge, huge David, big hands, big head, tiny tinkle. How does that work? I'm not sure. I'm not surprised that people go and stand next to it and have a picture taken. It's like, you know, I had more than this when I was 12. And that's kind of, you know, but it's, it's actually the cast room at the V&A is the best place to go to. It is fan. You can't believe that these are not the genuine article. They're just, they're, they're, they're copies. They sort of cover it in like a latex and then they make them and they make a mould out. It's unbelievable. Seriously unbelievable. It's the best place to go. If you're not doing anything today... The producer's obviously getting ready for the bank holiday. He probably thinks he's going to the uh, the Notting Hill Carnival on Monday. Because they were talking about that overnight, the Notting Hill Carnival, having this um, police identification thing, and people saying, oh, it's racist. No, it's not. Facial recognition will come in. You've got it all over the place. They're using it at the moment. They identify somebody. I want to know if somebody's out there who's a potential robber or who's been a robber. I don't think they're just taking pictures of people. But then, of course, you get civil liberties. It used to be Shami Chakrabarti. God, what a bore she turned out to be. And she was as one sort of saying, oh, yes, this is brave your civil... And then it turned out she didn't know anything about anything. You listen to her in the House of Lords. I mean, seriously, it's just it's an embarrassment. And they're going, oh, it's an infringement of people's civil liberties. So next time somebody from... 
from uh, from any civil liberty organisation get burgled. Just put it down to the fact the burglar wanted something that you've got and they didn't have. OK, just leave it at that. Honestly, no, I'm all in favour of it. I'm all in favour, as you know, of sorting out these um, little moped crooks at the moment. Somebody the other day, an actor, I believe, had something squirted in his face up in uh, the north of England, and uh, they're waiting to see whether or not it's it's affected him. I mean, I think what they've got to do is say minimum four years. Whether or not this stuff hits somebody's face or whether it doesn't, you've got to, we have to... You know, the police have to ram these people. So, so up until now, they're going, we don't want to do it, do it in case they hurt themselves. In case they hurt themselves. I'm sorry, I'm hang them and flog and brigade. The sooner we get them in court and we get them arrested and we throw them in prison, we throw away key, the happier I am. Sorry, you were on the back of this bike. You had this stuff. Four years. Off you go. Go away. Go, go, go. Not until now, people are coming into town from out of town, robbing people blind. You've seen it all on the television. It's got to be stopped. Got to be stopped. It's what we quite like. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Sunday morning. It's hilarious. When you read the Amir Khan story, this is dirty little boy Amir. You remember this because he bombarded a lap dancer with all sorts of uh, of tacky texts. He's exhibited himself on the internet. And um, and now he goes, uh, I've now split from my wife and they've had a bit of a, a thing. And they said he struggled to deal with his marriage breakdown. I think the only one who instigated your marriage breakdown, pal, is you. You're the only person who did it. You're the only one who was sort of faffing around. I mean, she had to sit there and suffer the abuse from your family. Small wonder she wants out. Small wonder. Perhaps she'll sell her story. And the people who are going, oh, poor old Amir. No, that'll be the last thing we'll be saying. But... Um, She says, uh, he actually said here, everything you've seen on social media today is real. Well, we've certainly seen you, matey, haven't we? We've certainly seen you. This uh, lap dancer says his ego is bigger than his punch. He was out playing around while his wife was at home with the baby. What sort of man does that? What what sort of man does it make him? Makes him a cheat. Simple as that. I don't think there's any other word, is there? If somebody somebody sort of goes out and and messes about with other people. Uh, And then, of course, she had the problem with the wife because the family, his his mum and dad were saying, oh, she's got to be a good Muslim mother and all the rest of it. And you're thinking, wait a minute, your son's out cheating, exhibiting himself on the internet, and you're telling us about the wife. Shut up. Shut up. So anyway, she's, she's better off without him. She said, I could sell a very interesting story. And I thought, I bet you can. I bet you can. Perhaps you should. Perhaps we should almost encourage it. Perhaps we should almost encourage it. Mind you, not half as delusional as poor Katie Price, the Botox queen who's looking rougher by the day. She says, um, I like to have realism around me. Of course you do, darling. It's funny that you actually believe this garbage, isn't it, really? I can't believe it, really. She said, I'm not manufactured. Of course you are. What do you think all that Botox and filler shoved in your faces? That's manufactured. You see the bloke the other day who swore on the television. He said he's at, he's, he wants four and a half thousand quid from the NHS to have his teeth done. He's, uh, he's, he's too good looking to work. He was too stupid to work, I think. People like that, we shouldn't give them benefits. What are we giving benefits to people like that for? You know, it's, like, it's people who go, I'm body dysmorphic. And you go, we're all body dysmorphic. Good God in heaven. Do you think I stand naked in front of the mirror in my bathroom and go, looks good? Seriously? No. Of course not. Everybody's body dysmorphic. Nobody's happy with what they've got. But uh, anyway, so she might go on to Dancing on Ice, so we'll have to see her showing off again, which is a bit embarrassing, really. But uh, some of the other names in the frame, that uh, well-known hypocrite, Paul Burrell, Coronation Street's Katie McGlynn, um, whoever, I've never even heard of her. 
Isn't it awful? You have to ask people. One of the uh, TV critics said that uh, Big Big Brother is so dire at the moment, nobody knows who anybody is. There's some big fat blamange from America who apparently is a stripper. I mean, you'd really pay to keep the clothes on. You've got some bloke who has kicked off a programme. You've got somebody from Mob Wives who nobody's ever heard of. Somebody from the Housewives of Beverly Hills that nobody's ever heard of. It's all, it's all a bit disastrous, really. Then you've got a, a couple of bimbos from TV programmes over here. And then you've got a couple of well-known people. And then you've got a couple of himbos. And, uh, I mean, even the poor bloke from Made in Chelsea, what an embarrassment he turned out to be. Poor little Sam, who nobody's ever heard of. How embar- You think if you turn on, you know, and you go Made in Chelsea and you can name these people. You can't. It's like every time you turn on Made in Essex, they, they're getting on now. They're in their 30s, 40s, some of them. Pushing, pushing the boat out. You know, the moment they're not on television, their career is finished. And that's why Sarah Harding's agent is trying to sort of get... So she's obviously done these interviews while she was in there. I mean, to be honest with you, you'd have to kick her out. She's so dull. And um, she's sort of talked about... They say, Sarah is being honest. She's been a complete waste of space. All the way through. I'm a private person, so Celebrity Big Brother is tough, says Singer. Well, she's giving an interview from the inside now. No, of course not. Her best pal reckons we'll all see another side of her. Well, we haven't, like, we haven't liked the side we've seen so far. You know, there's another side. Another side? I mean, goodness me. Apparently a lot of my issues, she says, were down to being in a toxic relationship. Again, you know, it's always everybody else's fault. It's never Sarah Harding. She's already bleated onto the Big Brother diary room, whatever it is, about, you know, how awful things are and why she's doing this. So I realise I'm lucky to be given another chance. No, you're a failure. You failed in everything. You were in a little miming band from ages ago. OK, your solo career never took off which is what we told you years ago. Once you're in a band, you're in a band, OK? Once the band finishes, you disappear. Look at Liam Payne. Vanished. Vanished completely. Little Niall Horan. Very sweet little boy. Finished. You know, because they were only big as one direction. Harry Styles has had to go and find a job acting, which is good. Mind you, the second film could be rubbish. We don't know. We have no idea. So that's why, you know, you sort of think... And then they go on... I mean, Sarah Harding, was sort of, she says, oh, I was the fun one in the group. No, you weren't. I'm sorry, I wish you were. Fun was the last thing you were. That's like saying that the most talented in the Spice Girls was Victoria Beckham. Which, of course, she wasn't. Everybody else was up the front. Victoria was the la-la one at the back. Colleen Nolan. I'm sorry, did you have any hits with the Nolans? Of course you didn't. She just sort of dragged on the back. When I say drag, because she... You know, she was the one who sort of went out there and, and all of a sudden pretended she was in the group from the beginning. She wasn't. She was a child. But people don't don't realise. People People don't sort of work out why we're not interested in them. So Sarah Harding, loads of publicity. Seriously, loads of publicity. You know, Sarah Harding this, Sarah Harding that, Sarah Harding this, Sarah Harding that. When it, what did it come to? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I couldn't believe it. I was, you know, she went into Coronation Street. God, that was the biggest disaster of her life. She went on stage, did The Bodyguard. Again, another disaster. The singing career, another disaster. In fact, basically, everything has been a disaster. And yet she's still trotting out the same old lines. I want to show people the other me. Why haven't you shown us the other you before this time? Is it because of the toxic relationship? We've all got toxic relationships. It's what makes people strong. You're obviously one of life's weaker people. You know, but to sort of to sell these stories while you're in the Big Brother house, you've contributed nothing. I don't think anybody's contributed anything in the, in the Big Brother house at all. I mean, I, think, I just think it's so bad. I think it's so, so... Oh, look, Vladimir Putin with his shirt off again. He's very gay-friendly, isn't he? Don't you think so? He's like, he obviously likes taking his shirt off in the company of other men. And I suppose... I don't know how old he is, actually. How old is, is Vladimir Putin? Is he about, sort of, 50-something? I don't know. Perhaps it's, sort of, perhaps it's a Russian thing. And so he's... 
Is he 64? Dear Lord above, is he really? Good Lord. Wow. So, yeah, you'd probably be shot for saying that in Russia. 64. He's not... He's, he's 43 or something like that, honestly. Britain's richest clubs, uh, hiking the Legends tour prices up. So you've got uh, Man City, up 20 quid. But the, you can con the Man City fans all the time. Uh, that's up 20 quid. Chelsea, £80, up 10. Liverpool, 40 quid, up 5. Arsenal, is that to, is that to fund the, uh, the channel where they murder animals? Is that the one there? That's up £2. That's not too bad. And Leicester, 14 quid, up £4. Tours are great. Is this just... Oh, right, it's just a tour... Pro- is this, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to mess the thing. Is this just touring around the clubs? God, you can get money out of fans dead easy, can't you? I didn't realise. Perhaps we'll have to do that round here. Perhaps we could do it for Global to make some noise. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. Don't forget we take your texts and emails this morning. Just trying to find out whether you're as awake as everybody else is in the country. You should be. But just remember, it's not the bank holiday. It's any of my producer of In Conversation who thinks it's the bank holiday. Bless him. In Scotland, of course, it is, but just not down here. Uh, There's a lovely story in the paper today. You're going to love this story in the paper today. This is um, the story of uh, Gesh Kuklia, who believed that all of his uh, friends and family had been killed in the Holocaust. You know, not an uncommon thing to think. Uh, The Nazis shot dead his Latvian dad and his grandfather was burned alive in the capital, Riga's choral synagogue. But a single phone call last year transformed the 90-year-old Jew's life and made him realise not all his relatives were among the six million killed. So he spent 22 years trying to find if everybody was still alive and he tracked 3,000 relatives across 15 countries. I mean, this is such a labour of love, it really is. And then they had a big get-together for 500 of them. 500 got... I mean, that is just the most phenomenal thing. It is the most phenomenal thing. And uh, he flew from Atlanta with his daughter Lillian. And uh, it, it was held in uh, Watford. They had people coming from Australia and everything. I love stories like that. I just think that's, that's almost... It's enough to make you cry just reading it. Because, you know, when you consider what, what people went through... And if you, if you firmly believe that you lost your family or your aunt or your uncle and they, they were sort of lost in the, in the death camps, well, then, you know, you don't have anything left to go on. But he made this astonishing, astonishing trip to find where everybody was. And he found 3,000 and 500 made it over. Because the others might not have been able to afford it. But isn't that amazing? Is that just, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, I think they found an aeroplane some time ago, which had been buried in the mud somewhere, I think in a river, which had crashed during the war, with the pilot still in the seat. And that, I thought, was amazing, because there must be so many uh, soldiers who never got a burial, so many soldiers who were over there in, in the Flanders fields who uh, were never found, and so they then become just gravestones. Uh, but you have to think, they were somebody's family member. They were, you know, people who had a family. They had a mum, they had a dad, they had another brother or a sister or something like that. And now they don't have anything apart from the memories. And it's just, it's just absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, The other story is, uh, what's this one here? I don't know, there's so many models now, aren't there? This is uh, one called Holly Piers. Again, poor soul, she's got tattoos. And I think, you know, if you're going to be a model nowadays, I think tattoos are out. I think they're, especially if they're visible. If they're not visible, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, Abbott's crackers praising Caracas. This is Diane Abbott. She she gets it wrong all the time, doesn't she? She hasn't got the faintest idea. I think she's sort of led 
by uh, by the hand by Mr Corbyn. So she praises Caracas. The elections are better than in the UK. She doesn't worry about the human rights issues. Doesn't seem to that doesn't enter her mind at all. You feel like saying to her, "I'm sorry, are you in the same world as the rest of these people? Have you read the papers? The Venezuela crisis grows." She just totally dismisses it. Totally dismisses it as if it was nothing to do with her. Couldn't even comment on it. How you ever got to that position, Lord alone knows. But as she's a fellow diabetic, we have to sort of have a modicum of sympathy because it might have affected her. Perhaps she's not under control. Uh, Gavin Rossdale has been axed from the talent show, The Voice, after one year. He joined the judging panel after the BBC series moved to ITV. And um, I think um, Danny Jones from McFly maybe drafted in to replace him after impressing on The Voice kids. Yes, he's fine. We like him. He's just hes just a normal bloke who was in a group. They all messed around at the time. Now they've all settled down, I think, most of them with sort of family and everything else. Uh, Gavin was brought from the BBC. Uh, presumably, if you bring somebody over from the BBC, you want to get rid of them. You don't want to hang on to them, do you? There's no point in hanging on to them at all. Uh, what was this one here? Oh, yes, this is um, uh, a footballer called Rahim, who's bedded a hooker in a hotel... And uh, then she gave him a bill for £3,000. <laughs> Seriously. Who would their right mind would ever... You just go into a bar, you chat to somebody, and, and then, you know, if it, if it clicks, it clicks. You don't need to pay anybody for sex in this day and age. Good Lord above. And um, so she slammed him because he disputed the bill for three grand. I mean, it's just ridiculous. She says, he only paid me half of what we agreed. He's arrogant and has very little personality. You're a hooker, dear. You're a hooker and he's a client. You better be nice to people. Because that's how you make your money, I'm assuming. It's a bit embarrassing. I bet your parents must be thrilled. That's the way our daughter turned out. But three, three grand a night. They always put them down, don't they? Have you noticed? They go, high-class hooker. As opposed to what? Low-class hooker. Either way, it's, uh, it's all very odd. Britain's biggest TV ratings war is off this year. Simon Cowell moved the X Factor final to avoid a clash with Strictly. Well, that's good news. That's good. We don't we don't want infighting on television programmes. It's absolutely unnecessary. You don't need it, and uh, and it should be should be okay. Uh, what else did I save? I saved this one here. Oh, yeah, Diane Abbott. I'm afraid everybody's laid into her. Everybody's laid into her. Um, mainly because she doesn't seem to know what she's talking about half the time. I mean, she just sort of she wanders off, doesn't she, at a tangent? I've been known to do that. I wander off at tangents. Nothing the matter with it, but you know, I'm not a politician. I'm not a politician. Um, who's this one? Uh, Telly interrogator Andrew Neil is quitting one of the BBC's flagship political shows, and Emily Maitlis is favourite to take up the job. Why? Is she the best person around, or are they just doing it to placate her because they don't have a job for her at the moment? They don't really know. What would you like to do, dear? Well, Blue Peter's sorted out, isn't it? Really? Somebody amazed me. I was reading. I was. I was watching a television program about Blue Peter and how it was Biddy Baxter's idea to give back something to the world. And the Blue Peter appeal at Christmas became legendary, you know, and they would say, right, we, we, we want... And they would try and find something that you all had access to, like, you know, we'd like you to send in buttons so we can sell buttons, uh, or filling that, you know, tin foil, or old toys, that, stuff that they could recycle. And they, they just exceeded everybody's wildest expectations, and they were very successful. So they, you'd have kids rushing to the kitchen going, right, the Blue Peter appeal. So it, it didn't finish when the programme finished. It kept going. So next week you could see how well they'd done. They got tractors, they got wells dug, they got lifeboats. I mean, it, it really was. It was groundbreaking for a children's television programme. And having been with it throughout all of the, throughout all of the, uh, the years that it was on air, and there's a lovely book about Blue Peter, and it's, it, it's really it's, it's quite an institution. I don't think it is the same 
now as it was. I think it's a much scaled down version. I only liked it when it came from Studio One at the BBC because it was it was big and it was live. And I think they did a great thing. You know, they, they managed to get kids involved with a programme that involved kids. It was aimed at, I think, eight-year-olds or something like that. And it was interesting the other day. I turn on the telly and there's a woman co-presenting on This Morning. I didn't know who she was. And it turned out to be Sarah Green. <laughs> I seriously didn't recognise her. Just seemed to have a lot of hair. And I remember thinking, oh, God. In fact, it prompted me to then go onto the internet and uh, and sort of check out, because she was married, you know, to Mike, um, uh, to Mike Smith, who died. And again, that was like a phew, complete shock out of, uh, out of nowhere. You didn't, we didn't see that one coming at all. But, uh, no, she looked very well. Looked very well. They seem to be trying out lots of people on this morning. Everybody else saying exactly the same as I said the other day. Do you remember after... Uh, Paul Raymond Holmes, and I don't hold a torch for Raymond Holmes in any way, shape or form, as you know. Um, it's a case of he had this uh, little kiddie on who, through chemotherapy, had lost his hair. And he said, you know, come back and see us when your hair's grown back. Meaning, you know, that means that you'll be better. That's good. He was pulled apart on the internet and everybody, but everybody, with half the brain cell has gone. He wasn't meaning that at all. These people are so stupid. They're so stupid, so dumb. Also, I wasn't uh, wrong. There were pictures yesterday in the papers of um, of little Charlie Gard, the final picture that they took uh, of him and the parents. I don't know if they got paid for the interview. I'm assuming there'll be some sort of book thing coming out. And then they had... Um, you know, comments by doctors and part of the, the team of people. There was about 200 nurses, doctors and consultants who cared for Charlie Gard. Seriously. All right. So at the end, he lost his life. But there are another four and a half thousand children who lose their lives every year. And they don't get mentioned. It's only their mummies and daddies that know about them. Charlie Gard got it because he was too sick to move anywhere. As, in fact, they proved by the time they, at the end of his life, put him into the hospice and the family complained. You know, but that, you, you can understand that. I could understand a family complaining about something, saying, why can't we do anything? Why can't we do anything? Why can't we do anything? And they go, because there isn't anything else you can do. Sometimes at the end of somebody's life, you just have to accept that it's, it's there. You know, it's, it's, it's a terribly difficult thing. It's a really difficult thing. Unless you've been in that, in that situation, you've got no idea exactly what they must have been going through. They will, they will have that image in their mind uh, of the last picture of Charlie uh, after he'd been to the hospice, as indeed we all have. If you've lost, you know, mum, dad, anybody like that, and you were, I was going to say, lucky enough to see them after they, uh, after they died. I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't like it, but I did see both my parents after they died. And that image sticks with me even after all these years later you don't ever forget you know people say oh do you ever forget about your loved one and I say no you don't it the the gaps between thinking about them and not thinking about them get bigger but you never stop you never stop thinking about them. if you've got photographs of your mum and dad who aren't here anymore that's that you might look at that every day and go morning you know you just do it automatically I can't explain what it is it's just something that's in us because you suddenly realize when you get to a certain age that life's a bit short it's not, as, it's not as long as, you know, and I've, I've known people die, you know, very young. And you think, it's, it's such a shame. If there is a God, why is he taking children away? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? The Love Island stars. OK, ready? Any, heard of any of these ones? Johnny Mitchell, 22. Apparently, uh, three, three grand will get him to turn up at your nightclub to shake hands and sign some autographs. <laughs> what for? Uh, the other one. Amber Davis, 5,000 quid. That'll be finished by Christmas. Uh, Kem... £5,000, again, finished by Christmas. They've got to do it quickly and then perhaps go back to getting a proper job. 
you know, which would be stacking shelves or working a bar or something. Uh, Jessica Shears gets five grand, whoever she is. Uh, Gabby, £5,000. Because it says, because the actual story says Love Island stars are raking in up to £10,000 an hour. Well, there's nobody here earning... Oh, Olivia. Olivia Atwood, ten grand. That won't last very long, will it? I've never even heard of her. I didn't watch the programme that much, as you can well imagine. But, I mean, I was always intrigued by it. Here's a picture of little Leanne Payne buying a bouquet. Honestly, how embarrassing. I, th- I thought he was a rock star. Don't you send out, dear? Do you have to actually go out into a shop and buy something? So he's dressed up like a rock star. Has he, has he done any solo shows? No. They just sort of live in the dream, live in the dream. And apparently there is... Uh, Cheryl was doing it because she had to go back to work, which means having your hair washed and set and somebody doing your makeup. That's called going to work in Cheryl's book. Hilarious, isn't it? Hilarious. Because uh, it's her first job since having their son. And um, and then and she she tweeted a picture of it going back at it. Like, that's a job. So you sit there and somebody washes your hair every day and gets you dressed, decides on the clothes, and that's called a job. Poor little Liam, he just goes out and buys flowers, which is sweet. You, you, there is companies, and there are, sorry, there is companies, there are companies, who you can actually um, contact and they will deliver flowers. But of course, if you're desperate for the attention, Liam, which I think you are, then uh, you might as well go out with your photographer and buy them. Let's save the rhinos, says Kevin Peterson. Okay, brilliant. They all jump on a, on the, the bandwagon, don't they, really? Apparently, Jess has been a rock to him. I'm assuming Jess is um, Jessica, who was in a group, wasn't she, some years ago? But anyway, they're saving rhinoceroses now. Loads around my way. You can't move in Twickenham Ice Street. Rhinoceroses at every corner. Elephants, anacondas. It's an amazing place. It's like living in a zoo. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 12 minutes to uh, six. Yes, Patsy, we had a lovely time at Little Italy. In fact, we, we fell out of there. I say fell out of there. We walked, actually, which was very good. Um, we were in for three, and we were out at about half past six, I think. Because, you know, once you get a load of people in radio all sort of chatting, and it was it was just really... They all went on to something else. I was struggling to stay awake, because I'd been up since one in the morning, and I was really struggling. <laughs> and after I'd had sort of a few glasses of, uh, of Prosecco, which was very lovely, and uh, Tony, who owns it, Tony Paledri, uh, he he was also quite tired, <laughs> so he sort of toddled off before we toddled off. But he he made sure we were looked after, which was lovely. And I'd forgotten how busy the place was. You know, Soho is absolutely heaving. Probably most evenings, but Friday evening it's it's even bigger. And but the interesting thing was next to Little Italy is stage door to the um, the what do they call it, the Prince Edward Theatre. What are they showing Aladdin? So every so often we got people walking outside with their shirts off. It was really bizarre. I didn't. I thought it was maybe a club or something. I didn't remember. But it said stage door, and it had some security there. But it it was the stage door to Aladdin because we asked the first. But he said, "Is this a show?" And he went, "Yeah, Aladdin." And we went, "Oh right, okay." But uh, no, it was lovely. We had a very very nice time. But unfortunately, my eyes were bigger than my stomach, and I didn't eat all my main course, which was tagliatelle, which was delicious, delicious with sort of steak chopped up, and it. it was delicious. But I couldn't manage half of it. Way too big. Way too big. Uh, have you been to uh, eat? Changed my view on a lot of things and showed the full devastation of war. Yeah, well, Mark, you should go to the Imperial War Museum. If you've never been to the Imperial War Museum, you should go to the Imperial War Museum today. You should really go. It's not a celebration of war. It's just showing everything that went... You should go. Absolutely go. It's the most uh, amazing place that you'll see. I thought, in fact, I think our museums... I went through a phase of going through all of the museums every week and suddenly reaffirming. Because years ago, when I was a kid, I think I said last week, you know, your, your dad would say, let's go and have a look around the museums. You're going, oh, 
God. And you get a bit older, and all of a sudden, the things that you thought were naff when you were a child actually become quite appealing. So I love going to the V&A. I, I, I sort of walk all the way through, go to the back, turn left, go to the end, walk up the stairs, and they've got complete rooms from houses that they've removed from, you know, the 18th century. And it's just amazing. They've got so much stuff in there. So You should join. You should join the museums because you get all the, all the discounts, you get loads of bonuses and everything else. And then if you go right when you walked all the way through the V&A and you go up the stairs there, then you've got the, uh, the theatrical area where they've got the war horses and also it's just amazing. It's just you should really do it. You know, go there. It's a, it's, it's a nice afternoon out and uh, you can have a nice cup of tea. And you could sit outside, as long as it's not too summery, because you get wasps and things like that. I seem to have an aggression thing going with wasps. They seem to target me. I don't know why. Uh, Steve says, Dean, I've just seen Dunkirk. It was excellent. But I wish they'd really played the national anthem at the end like they used to. I think that went out ages ago, isn't it? Bank holiday Monday, myself. Uh, Lindsley and uh, partner Emily are going to the Didcot Railway Centre to see the Flying Scotsman. Keep missing it when it goes through Feltham as normally working. Oh, wonderful. Apparently lots of opportunities to see it, plus you get to ride behind it too, says little Julie. So my camera will be at the ready. Oh, Flying Scotsman, honestly. How exciting is that? I mean, that is exciting, isn't it? So by the time I've explained to the producer that the 7th is bank holiday in, in Scotland, he'll, he'll laugh. I don't know why I thought it was... We've never had an early bank holiday, have we? We've never had one which is at the beginning of the month. We seem to go through loads of bank holidays. Loads of bank holidays. Um, Sunday Mirror. Uh, We've got here... um, It's uh, Simon Cowell uh, on holiday. And I think he's in Mexico. He's in Mexico. So he seems to be enjoying himself there. Uh, also, Euro eyes on our prize pies, the plea to keep food status post-Brexit. Do you really care what goes into a pork pie? No. Do you know that pork pies can come hot in certain things? That's amazing, isn't it, really? Uh, Amir Khan, I'm gutted at marriage breakup. Oh, honestly, you're such a hypocrite, aren't you, really? You need to check your own life before you start sort of moaning about what your wife's been able to, uh, to do and all the rest of it. We know what you're up to half the time, because people tell us about it. Uh, the Voice of Treason... The first picture of the man at the centre of tonight's documentary. But it's, you don't need to watch it. I've told you before, you do not need to watch this diner documentary because it's on YouTube. It's been out in America. There's nothing, there's nothing new about it at all. You can watch it on, on YouTube and uh, make up your own... I don't think you need to care. Uh, also, troubled Jamie Redknapp. He's now troubled. Desperately trying to save his marriage with Louise, who, of course, is absolutely loving... The attention. I mean, she never got this much attention when she was in Eternal. You know, now all of a sudden she splits up and hangs around with a woman who confesses she likes other women. And immediately people's brains start racing ahead of themselves. The former England footballer is planning a trip to Barbados in a bid to woo her back. She doesn't want to go back. They've already said she's quite happy with Daisy Lowe and, and her newfound fame. Although I, I fear it is short-lived, but that's just, uh, just me. So they've got a picture of uh, Jamie. He's hoping a holiday will heal the rift. Um, he said to be feeling the strain. She didn't like she was feeling the strain at all. He he might be, but uh, she's not. Uh, the TV star from Waterloo Road, Holly Matthews, revealing how her six-year-old daughter has helped give her the strength to cope after her tragic husband's death. Holly lost 32-year-old soulmate Ross Blair to a brain tumour a week ago. And she asked him for his best memories. And he said, you, you, you. I mean, I think it's, I think it's absolutely tragic. Things like this just... Just get get the waterworks going. I'm afraid because it's just not right that somebody of 32 should die. I don't think I think I don't think people should die at all. 
If I'm given the choice, you know, I'd be going, I don't think I want people to die. Why can't we live forever and a day? And then when you just get tired and you go, gee, I really can't do anything else, then you can lie down and go to sleep. But uh, but not not until then. Mel B's mum has told of her despair at being cut from her troubled daughter, saying, wish I could be there. I don't know. She still seems to be spending money. Where it's coming from, I've got no idea, unless the first thing was just a load of old baloney. And uh, the TV star's bruv, this is Gary Lineker's wayward brother. God, blimey. He's still pals with his L, uh, with his ex. Uh, it's a thing that we do. Oh, grow up. Don't be so stupid. It's not a thing you do at all. Uh, also, uh, the illegal tooth whitener is first to get a dental asbo. This is a businessman. Uh, he's been given a criminal behaviour order. His name's Jeffrey Lehman. He was struck off five years ago, but went on to offer lucrative tooth whitening treatments. Regulator, the General Den- Dental Council, said only dentists were legally qualified to carry out the work. But uh, he had a place called... He was seen entering his um, his dental clinic the other day. If he's caught again, I mean, there'll be big, big trouble. But I don't really know what... I mean, what, what sort of they can implement on something like that. Nice picture as well of uh, Terry Jones and Michael Palin. Uh, they stroll in silence, a testament to their lifelong bond, because, uh, as you know, uh, Terry's got dementia. But Michael Palin's vowed to... Stay with him to make sure, you know, that he, he can get through. I mean, it's awful, awful, isn't it? Just dreadful. But uh, at least they're, they're together there. Bad news. Tony Beek, Anton Dubeck, uh, is uh, because he missed out to replace Len Goodman. There was never any chance he was going to get it, really. We don't want somebody irritating like that. But apparently he's actually uh, going to be uh, doing an album. I've got no idea why. He's, well, I suppose he's tried everything else. There can't be many things left for him. But uh, he's just given birth. We did Rachel Riley the other day for In Conversation, which will be going out this evening at nine o'clock. And Dominic Cooper, uh, Rachel Riley, I was I was I was commandeered by one of Stuart from Sandy's, the fish shop in Twickenham's uh, young men who said that Rachel Riley, she's gorgeous. All oh, that's what I got. The producer who was who was driving the desk kept saying to me, she's absolutely gorgeous. That's all everybody was saying. They were going, she's absolutely gorgeous. And then we've got Dominic Cooper, and I'm going around saying he's absolutely gorgeous. He's absolutely lovely. He's absolutely charming. And we had one of the most bizarre conversations you'll ever hear on an in conversation. It's really odd. He was in, he was in a funny mood. I was in a funny mood. But uh, it turned out really well. So we got a lovely conversation with Rachel Riley. If you're in the dating game, you'll want to hear this interview this evening at nine on LBC. And, uh, and then you'll hear Dominic Cooper as well. I can't remember which, which way round they are. But uh, you'll either get Dominic Cooper first or Rachel Riley. But either way, two very, very good interviews. More of your texts and uh, emails, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. More you send in, more we read out. Why? Because we want to do things like that. Uh, also, Love Island Hunk was never faithful. This is Kem. Of course he's not. Why do, what do, that's like when they used to put it, this, this group. Uh, I can't remember who the group was. But they used to sit on a television programme and go, but uh, we only drink milk. Because if you, were in a, if you were in a boy band, you weren't allowed to have a sex life and you weren't allowed to do alcohol. So if you were a children's TV presenter, they all uh, drank milk and didn't have sex lives because that would have, that would have upset the, um, the sort of the, um, the apple cart. They didn't like things like that. <laughs> um, oh, Anthea Turner, third time unlucky for another wedding. There's something the matter with her. She's not, uh, not the full ticket. And uh, born a boy, Rhea became Britain's youngest sex swap patient at 15, then transitioned back to being a man at 18. Now she wants to be a woman again. I suspect there's some emotional issues here going on uh, because, you know, it's three, three times now. And, um, and this is so obviously desperately, desperately unhappy, which can happen to a lot of people who, who change gender. 
you know, there are a lot of emotional issues that come with it because technically you're still that person. Physically, you might look like another person, but inside you're the same person. It doesn't it doesn't change your insides. Former comedy star now runs a pub restaurant, Sid Little, one half of Little and Large. He could be listening to this programme at the moment. In fact, he might be as it's coming up to getting up. And uh, he, he hands out grub. He's 74 now. 74. But um, his job at Fleetwood, Lancashire, is a far cry from his stint. Because um, he said, I do it for fun. My wife doesn't pay me uh, or out, but it's good to see what people think. So there you go. He's got a job working in the in the wife's place, which is nice. Coming up very shortly, news at six o'clock. This is LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Till seven, and uh, then we'll have a breakfast. Uh, what are the other stories? Deadly zombie drug. This is spice found in babies' toys. The difference between that superfood salad and a Big Mac? Answer, 150 calories. But which one's got the most calories? I think you can probably guess, can't you? Namibia's last lion has been saved. Uh, the Diana Tapes, the man who betrayed her. Harry's on holiday again, this time with Megan. She must be costing her a small fortune unless she gets air miles or he's reimbursing her. Uh, also, the new air fast. Travellers now just wave through security desks. Up until the other day, it took ten minutes for them to look at a passport. They were doing it deliberately. And uh, Liam Gallagher gets plenty of, inter- uh, sorry, plenty of interest from fellas. Yeah, right. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Three minutes past six, Sunday morning. I don't know what the weather's going to be like today. It's been very odd over the last few days. It's sort of over in, uh, in Europe, of course, it's baking. In Rome, apparently, people are standing under trees, throwing water at themselves. I was thinking, don't go out. But the trouble is, if it's that hot, you can't sleep, can you? It's tossing and turning and wait. Oh, it's just really awful. So I have sympathy. So, you know, my advice is go and buy a fan. But, of course, you can always guarantee whenever we get hot weather, no fans. All of a sudden, they sell out of fans. It's like trying to buy sunglasses in the winter. They go, sunglasses? In the winter? You go, yes, why not? Bev says, listening to you via the app in Turkey. And it's hot. Oh, I can imagine it's baking. Absolutely baking over there. See, I can't do hot weather. It's, it, it, it never bothers me when somebody writes in and goes, oh, I'm over here and we're basking in the sunshine. I couldn't care less. In fact, I couldn't care any less than I do at the moment about heat. Yeah, as, a, as a youngster... I did heat. Now, as an adult, I don't do heat. It just doesn't uh, doesn't work for me at all. Uh, other stories in the uh, in the papers today. Uh, CBB Babe snorts coke off naked girl. This is uh, they're claiming Gemma Lucy has been caught on film snorting cocaine from the bear behind of a, a sexy pal in a nightclub um, place she went to, which is uh, which is you know it's okay. I mean the trouble is she's she's a bit thick. She's on Big Brother at the moment. She, she's not that exciting. Not that exciting at all. Uh, but I think it's a case of it's just sort of publicity. I always think, you know, if, if people do cocaine, they do cocaine. I see it on the television all the time uh, with people going through border control and all that kind of thing. And I, I sort of, it just goes over my head a bit. I always think if somebody wants to shove Arva Columbia up their nose. We've seen the way Daniela Westbrook's turned out and Kerry Katona. And to be quite honest with you, I think it's a classic, classic example uh, of uh, of sort of people who've just wasted their lives completely. And um, 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 let's have a look. Let's have a thing here. Wait a minute. I'm just having a quick... I have to read something, actually. It's <laughs> Michael, Michael Dennis wanted to know what time... Uh, he, he wrote this a little while ago because he decided he wanted to get blueberries. Very good for you blueberries, aren't they? I always think that blueberries are very, very good. Um, and uh, Michael says... Um, 
Yes, no, I agree. He says the events of Saturday night struck a particular chord with me uh, because it was his youngest daughter's 18th birthday. Good Lord, it's, it's not possible, is it? It's not possible. Not possible at all. And uh, But anyway, no, you're right. When you test our resolve, we strengthen and evolve. Keep calm with all our might. Resist and do what's right. London lives. London gives life. Yes, I think so too. I'm just, I'm just sort of like that, actually. Britt Eklund was a Bond girl. Was she really? Oh. Um, <laughs> and I'm, yes, you're right. I shall ask somebody later on about that thing there. Uh, what else we got? Nice picture. Oh, this is a page three girl. Her name is Sophie Vasilio. She's probably, she's a model, aren't they all? It's a, I think model covers anybody who's prepared to get their boobs out nowadays. You know, it's, uh, that, that's what they go, what do you do, darling? Model? Okay, right. I always remember Gail Tuesday. I don't know what ever happened to her. She, was, she used to make me laugh. When she first came on the scene, she used to pretend to be a page-free stunner, Gail Tuesday, got a boyfriend, call him Pimp, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then you see people now, and they go, so what are you? And you go, you're a model. What does that mean, dear? You could just do pouting, and you've got pair of boobs and you wear sort of some sort of flimsy little outfit. All very worried. The great celebrity Big Brother boob off. It's just, they're just, one of them, I was having a breakdown the other day. I thought, that's not bad. Week in and already we've got our first breakdown. And also the ban for the thug. Here he is now. His name is Tyrol Lewis. He's a pathetic looking person. He's uh, unemployed, but he slapped little one of Little Mix. And he's now been told, stay well away. He's a pathetic looking space. He really is. He hit her in a, in a restaurant he admitted tackling the Black Magic singer at VQ Restaurant in London. He didn't know Lee Ann, uh, inset picture, Harris the star and her friend Grace Davis last November and boasted his old, girl, his old girlfriend was better looking than the pop babe. Oh, how sweet of you, darling. Tyrol Lewis. Remember the name. He's not working, probably not likely to ever again, but he's a, a jobless bodybuilder. Of course you are, dear. Of course you are. So nice to see a picture of you there. Uh, also, um, please quiz Boozy... Boxer Brooke after mayhem on holiday flight. This is somebody called Kel Brooke. I don't know who Kel Brooke is. Do we know who Kel Brooke is? Have we heard of him or something? Am I, am I out on a limb on this one? Kel Brooke, K E double L Brooke, the former world welterweight champion, was allegedly swearing and shouting on the EasyJet plane. Oh dear, embarrassing. Poor soul. Who is he? Kel Brooke. Here he is. Kel Brooke. And they say he's a. Uh, his nickname is The Special One. <laughs> yeah, right. Born in 1986, ranked as the world's best welterweight. Don't you think that anybody who's in boxing, they just give you a title, your, your best featherweight, and you go, I've never even heard of him. He, he's challenged once. What's a welterweight? Exactly. Who cares? I think when you're welterweight, you only fight other people who are welterweight. I think Frank Bruno would be heavyweight, wouldn't he? And so, oh, it's right. So welterweight is heavier than lightweight, but lighter than middleweight whatever that means. It's a weight class in combat sports, so that's like it's light-ish. What does that mean? I mean, I don't quite... It's, it's pathetic, isn't it? I've never understood the world of boxing. Bunch of idiots, if you ask me. Seriously. But now now you know who he is. He had a, he had a row on a flight. And uh, and so... and people You probably find people sitting there going, I'm sorry, who is he? Who is he? You know, and, just, and, you, and I have to then check with the help of the producer. We spend most of our time, actually... Here, I'll sort of say something, and the producer <laughs> sort of types it up quickly so we can find an answer. Years ago, you couldn't do it, you know. Uh, another one here. The Nolan sisters were formed in 1974 and 80. They became the Nolans. Colleen sang lead vocals in all their hits, apart from their first hit in 79. 
<laughs> don't believe a word of it. Don't believe a word of it. She can't sing for toffee. She went in the Big Brother house. She can't sing. She cannot sing. And also, how old is she? So Colleen sang lead vocals on all the hits. I don't think she did. Find out. Find out whether Colleen Nolan sang lead vocals. and she could sing at all. Definitely not. Uh, another one here says, thanks, Steve, for saying hello to your parents every day. I thought I was the only silly one, says Ian. <laughs> no, loads of people do it. That's why people... See, the trouble is because both my parents were, were cremated. Uh, wait a minute, the Nolans, when they released their single in 74 on the show, it's Cliff Richard with a line-up featuring all six of the Nolan sisters. Uh, top 20 hits, blah, blah, blah. Four of the Nolans, Bernie, Colleen, Lendrum, reformed in 2009. And... Um, a quick, quick check here. Wait a minute, the Nolan sisters chart success. So... Do we don't just go down? No, other, the other one. That's one there. So seventy four. It was uh, see, um, Colleen didn't come in until eighty eighty two, and then disappeared by ninety four ninety five, and then it was Maureen and Anne, and then they came back in two thousand and nine. So uh, so that's why. So in fact, if you look at Colleen, she just popped up in the middle. She made occasional appearances. This says here down down a bit. Occasional appearances in the 70s, but didn't become a full-time member until 1980. She briefly returned to the group for the re-release of I'm in the Mood for Dancing and filled in for Anne while she received treatment for cancer. Still can't sing. <laughs> Smokes. She can't have any energy at all, poor soul. But uh, that was it. So, um, you know, I think we're over-egging the pudding, actually. Over-egging the pudding. Uh, somebody else saying, I'm listening to you in Barbados. At the moment, there you go, which is quite nice. We like people listening in Barbados. And EastEnders have snubbed Harry Styles. Apparently, they, they uh, snubbed requests to give him a cameo. What for? What do you want to put him in EastEnders for? He's only been in Dunkirk. Mind you, I suppose actually being in a film about Dunkirk kind of prepares you for the, for the Queen Vic. But uh, I think you might find that if he goes into anything like EastEnders, that might test him a little bit too much. Dunkirk, you see, they can film it over a period of weeks and months and you only have little bits in it. In EastEnders, he might have to learn a script and actually deliver it. That might be, might be beyond his, uh, his capabilities. But apparently, um, Tilly Keeper, who plays Louise Mitchell, had heard that Harry was keen to join the cast. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. Perhaps he, he doesn't think that he can get work in films, or perhaps there isn't any more work in films. Perhaps there isn't anything on the horizon, or the sort of films that they've actually come up with. Uh, probably aren't the sort of things that he wants to do. Everybody's got sort of an idea of what films they see themselves in. You know, one film and some nice reviews does not make a career because you see lots of people like that. Uh, here is the Special Forces soldiers getting a stealth motorbike which can't be heard or seen at night. Is that not like these aircraft? You know, you get these aircraft, but they can't see them. They, they defy X-rays and everything else. Stealth fighters, isn't it? Stealth fighters. Is it a B-22? I thought that was a drink. It's a B-52. Oh, I also remembered the other day, for those people who didn't follow me on uh, Twitter, I couldn't remember the RAF base that we were at. And then I suddenly remembered it's called Coningsby. And Coningsby is very famous because I think you'll find Battle of Britain planes went from RAF Coningsby. And uh, so I was quite great. I, I telephoned my brother. I sent him a text going, it was RAF Coningsby. Stealth aircraft designed to avoid detection using this sort of radar, infrared, visible light radio... B, B2, is it? Stupid boy, honestly. Fancy getting it wrong. Fancy getting it wrong. But uh, So they're stealth aircraft. They're very odd-looking aircraft, aren't they? Very bizarre. 
Whilst no aircraft is totally invisible to radar, stealth aircraft make it more difficult for conventional radar to detect or track the aircraft effectively, increasing the odds of an aircraft successfully avoiding detection by enemy radar and or avoiding being successfully targeted by radar-guided weapons. Is that clever? So something... Te- it doesn't become completely in- invisible. Um, <laughs> it's just sort of one of those things, isn't it, really? It's accomplished by using a complex design... For- oh, it's way too complicated. I used to like... Um, what was that paint used to paint stuff, to make stuff glow in the dark? What would they... You know, when... You- that's right, lumin- luminescent paint or something like that. You could buy a little pot of it and you could paint your aircraft, which hung from the ceiling of your bedroom, uh, this luminous paint. Photoluminescent. Ooh, there's posh. And, and, and then when, when the lights were turned off... Oh, there it is. Oh, you can actually get it. Good Lord. Bubbles fluid. Luminescent. Paint glow in the face for your face. Good Lord. Look at that glow-in-the-dark paint. We're going to get that, Julian. We're going to buy that. So we're going to go for that one. Then what we do, we'll, we'll, we'll paint you up. OK. We could paint the studio. Absolutely. We could do the studio for Nick Abbott. It's his big bugbear. The light's going off in the studio. But it's, called, it's because he doesn't move. He sits there and he's a bit immobile. But if, if he moved, then the lights stay on. We should do that. Should we? we should paint little bits. And then just sort of say... Because years ago, if you had it on your watch, you held your watch up to a light bulb and then you turned the light off and all of a sudden your watch glowed. Do you remember that? Does your do... Of course, yours would do that, wouldn't it? It's just because mine doesn't. Because I never need to actually see my watch in the dark. I can actually tell... Mine, mine actually talks to me. Hello. You know, and it'll, it'll read the, uh, the time. You've not got one of those? Oh. Oh, really? I see you can... Well, I don't know. I just thought it was quite exciting. You just touch the, uh, touch the top of it and it reads the time out to you. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. <laughs> Michael Dennis, the black cab poet, says, he said, you made me laugh. He said, reading out messages have no relevance at all to the programme today. It's only because they've just literally popped up. That's why, that's why I sort of started reading them out, because I, I thought it was slightly strange as well. I couldn't work out what they were talking about either. Oh, thank goodness for this programme. That's what I say. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails, 84850 steve at uk. And uh, Nancy says, I think it was Bernie Nolan who did all the main vocals. Great show. Uh, ben says, it's my 17th birthday. Oh, God, how embarrassing. 17. 17. What is it to recommend being 17? I'm trying to think, actually. What, I'm trying to think what I was doing when I was 17. What was I doing when I was 17? What was I doing? I was working. I've started work at 15. Been listening for a while. And as I said, glad the programme is growing. Growing? Blimey, I tell you, that's an understatement. It's gone mad. My mentor... In high school, it's called Mr Booth, who also listens, recommended that I get up to listen to you in the hopes it would help my my punctuality. So so I now wake up at 4am just to listen to the programme. There you go. Are you really one of those bad people in the mornings? I spoke to somebody the other... Who did I speak to the other day? I spoke to somebody the other day who... Oh, actually, it was Rachel Riley. I said, you know, are you a morning person? And she said, absolutely not. She said, I could stay in bed till 12 o'clock. I said, I used to, but I wouldn't now. I always think I'm wasting the day. And, you know, as you get a little bit older, you don't like to waste the day. But, uh, no, she was lovely. So nine o'clock this evening for Rachel Riley, telling you how to find love. And uh, Dominic Cooper, who was just Dominic Cooper. He was fab. He was really, really good. Steve, the August bank holiday used to be early in August years ago, but it was changed to the end of August. I remember, says Sonia, because it was usually near my birthday, which is tomorrow. Oh, that's nice. 
So if anybody else is celebrating their uh, their birthday today or tomorrow, many happy returns of the day. And uh, oh, I, t- I was telling that's right. I came back from Little Italy, and I got a cab. I thought, no, push push the boat out. Uh, I'll, I'll get a cab back to Waterloo Station. Of course, now at the moment, I will not find out until tomorrow how the trains are operating at Waterloo because it's it's going to be very badly. I think it's bad early in the morning coming in because there's only they've taken out a lot of the platforms and they've taken out one one to ten. Uh, well, none of my trains came in on that that platform anyway. They all came in all minor fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, they might have to go somewhere else. Yeah, all right. That'd make it difficult for me. I'm doing my best. But I think that once we've got the rush hour over and done with, then I think it becomes a bit easier. And I don't mind waiting, because I've got loads of trains that head out my way. I mean, seriously, loads of trains, from three minutes past the hour to 20 past the hour, 28 minutes past the hour. No, no, no. I've got, I've got three minutes past, 20 past, 28 minutes past, 33 minutes past... 34 minutes past, 45, 50 and 58. That's, yeah, they said it, well, yeah, but if I get a fast train, that's, that's Reading or Windsor and Eton, Riverside. The rest of them, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I mean, sometimes it's nice to actually sort of, you know, pootle along down, down the track, waving at people, like I'm making the Railway Children remake. But I, I quite like that. But when I came back the other day, it was sort of, it was still light when we came outside. So I'm sitting on the train. And it's I fall asleep on trains. I don't I don't like falling asleep on trains because I might dribble, and so uh, I was sort of, or even worse, you wake up some exactly when you're stuck and you've only got your little pass, which and then you have to get back the other side again. You go, I'm terribly sorry, I fell asleep. And they go, Yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Feel a bit bad actually, don't you? But uh, I did I did nearly fall asleep, but I, I thought no, keep your eyes open, keep your eyes open. But uh, I managed to keep my eyes open, so I managed to get uh, managed to get back home, and then tweeted some friends of mine to say I'm back home. I'm going to bed. And I climbed into bed and I was out for the count. Gone like that. Doesn't, uh, I'm very good at sleeping, I've discovered. I'm actually very good at waking up. In fact, I'm very good at waking up. Well, I'd have to be, wouldn't I? Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. 84850, steve at Oh, dear, do you want to save your compilation list? No. No, oh, it's gone anyway. <laughs> do you know, honestly, I'm learning on this computer every day. There's always something... That, uh, that sort of... There we go again. It's non-stop, isn't it, really? I always get these things. Have I had a break? I can't remember. Have I done the break? I... Next one's after the news. OK, there you go. Uh, perfect time to propose. Oh, guess who this is? Harry. Very, very busy. And uh, he's with Meghan Markle. And um, it's a bit irregular for him, isn't it, I suppose? Whether or not they get engaged, you know, I don't think it makes any difference at all. But they say the odds are on for her to uh, return uh, with a ring. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, Harry just looks like a scruff bag. I don't think Harry, you know, has ever been, you know, class. But they say how Africa became a place of calm for Harry and Wills and a perfect spot for an engagement. Oh, God, what's that? They're so desperate, aren't they, to get him married off? You know, it's it's it really is uh, story time for boys and girls. No, not at the gender neutral BBC. Auntie warns beware of stools. Apparently, BBC bosses have issued a warning to staff about the dangers of sitting on a stool. I mean, they. Well, what did we have the other day? I heard um, somebody reading out about scouts aren't allowed to sit on the grass. Was Richard doing that? What, 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 what reason would they have for not saying you can sit on the grass? Because apparently animals, animals graze there. What do you mean graze there? What, like horses and, and cows or something? So, animal. Oh, right. 
So it's unhygienic. Well, put it this way, I've sat in parks on the grass before. The only thing you get is if it's rained, you get a wet bottom. But then, you know, as I've advanced in years, I'm expecting to get a wet bottom any time soon. But uh, so animals graze there. I said if you sit in fields, you know, and other animals are in the field or something like that. I wouldn't really say, honestly, who are these mamby-pambies who tell us we can't do things? You know, it's people who go, oh, no, we wouldn't want to do that. What did we have the other day? There was something else... It was ridiculous. Oh, somebody's also recommending in the uh, Express today. They said, forget Benidorm, try Blackpool. My advice is don't try Blackpool, OK? It's a dump. Seriously, it's a dump. You don't want to go to Blackpool. Go anywhere. Go anywhere apart from Blackpool. It's not the, uh, not the, uh, not, not the best place. It's just, it's really, it's, it's, it's definitely not for any of my listeners. You know, there are other places you can go to, and uh, Blackpool would not be it at all. Uh, Spencer the Boar Matthews, apparently he's having to do another reality show. He's obviously destined, once it all finishes, it's a bit of a shame really for Spencer. We don't really know what life holds for him, because he has told us that he's bedded a thousand women. That's a thousand very desperate people who really want to go out with a man whose personality is about that tiny. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, also, Namibia's last line is saved. Good. Good. Don't like to think of people going out and just shooting animals for the sake of shooting. And it is just for the sake of shooting. They're not doing it for any other reason. Although they, they were trying to sell us that this, this lion needs culling because he's the last one left. Well, what, 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 you know, that's because all these people have killed everybody else. That's the problem, isn't it? I don't like to think that people are just going out shooting indiscriminately. But there again, once we've sorted out the little motorbike yobbos, and it won't take us too long, let's start getting them in court. Let's start putting their, their picture up. They'll all walk into court... Uh, you know, with their sort of hoodies on and everything else. But um, I, I think we will we will actually sort of sort them out, actually, I think. Uh, the V&A has banned breastfeeding. I didn't want to do breastfeeding, and I'm not really doing breastfeeding. But um, apparently there's no shortage of beautifully crafted naked bodies on display. In fact, actually, even um, people breastfeeding in the V&A, in, in statue form... Uh, Kat Joyce was so bemused at being asked to cover up by workers, she tweeted a picture of herself with baby Claude... Uh, alongside a sculpture of a breastfeeding woman. But um, apparently there are dozens more naked statues of the female form at the museum. Uh, if people really want an eyeful of boob, there's plenty of choosing from. Adding to the embarrassment for the V&A, the incident happened during World Breastfeeding Week. I don't know who ever decided on World Breastfeeding Week. I mean, goodness, what a pile of old rubbish that turned out to be. So in other words, just, just breastfeed. Just just do it. I, I said before, I couldn't care less where people do it. It does seem odd that the V&A would actually would actually sort of stop somebody breastfeeding when I mean, they've got loads of statues of people with their bits hanging out all the time. We've already had a look at the statue of Teeny Tiny David. Statue's about 13 foot tall, Winkle, about half an inch. It's all very embarrassing. And, um, and they've got statues of women breastfeeding in there. But apparently, if you're a real person, you can't, you can't breastfeed. They don't, they don't like that kind of thing. Probably upsets the staff, I should imagine. Um, Paul Simon used to say there are 50 ways to leave your lover happily there are at least 21 ways to keep a relationship together okay what's some advice you're going through problems with a relationship um, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick go now okay for men take the blame okay just swallow your pride take the blame uh, drink alcohol okay uh, gifts compliments compliments are very good compliments are very good you look great today you look really attractive you look cute that sort of that. that's a compliment that's called a compliment say yes to anything give in uh, wait for partner to apologize make them laugh that's always very good making somebody making somebody laugh i think is the key to just about everything and for women uh, apologize cook or bake for your partner if, if if of course you can't cook don't get a takeaway uh, pretend that nothing ever happened communicate 
forgive your partner or ignore or avoid partner completely. Or a compromise. The compromise is, why don't you just admit you're wrong? But I, I don't think I am. Well, you are quite clearly you're wrong, aren't you? Or do, do, do you think so? Yes, of course I think so. Well, that's it. I'm leaving you. I'm going back to my mother. Go back to your mother. Go back to your mother like we care about it. God, dear, honestly. No, never go to bed on an argument. Never go to bed on an argument. Because you'll wake up in the morning, you'll be in a foul mood. And, of course, if they're not affected by it, it's going to annoy you even more. So you go to bed on an argument, you're going to wake up in the morning and go, I'm talking to you. And they go, what would you like for breakfast? Nothing. And you really think, I really want bacon, egg, sausage and tomato. But you go, nothing. You go, oh, I don't want anything. Yes, you do. I'll, I'll cook you something. I don't want anything, all right? Can't wait to get out of the house and get down the road, can you? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Sad story. Oh, sadder. Oh. This is the, the story of a lady called Cher Austin. Uh, she's a bride. She dreamt of a magnificently laid-out spread to celebrate her marriage. But when she walked into her wedding breakfast, having just tied the knot, she burst into tears. Instead of a stunning display of flower-decked tables, uh, the venue dresser, Michelle Hargreaves, had left the room looking barren after providing only two chair ribbons, some pink paper table toppings and three dusty old bird cages. The newlyweds believe they were the victims of a wedding scam, and they're not alone. Nationally, police say they're dealing with a blizzard of complaints over similar wedding day rip-offs. In the past six months, more than 600 wedding day frauds, averaging three a day, have been reported to the police nationally. And uh, Detective Inspector Chris Felton says, we urge people to thoroughly research their providers and to pay by credit card for extra protection. And then you look at, um, at what was actually left for this, uh, for this couple. And to be honest with you, it's pitiful. It's pitiful. Brides paid the organiser up to £2,500 for a wedding reception. You know, when you go to somewhere, that's why they cost so much money. Because if you're having floral displays on the tables, you can run into thousands. Thousands and thousands. And um, contacted by the Mail on Sunday, Hargreaves, this is Michelle Hargreaves, who charged up to £2,500 per wedding, would only comment, apart from the fact my company has gone bankrupt, there's not a lot I can say. Oh, it's a shame, isn't it, when these companies go bankrupt? Presumably because people make a load of money and then, then they suddenly decide they put it into bankruptcy. Another company, JLS Entertainments, run by Jason Lee Davidson, claims to offer catering, decorations and DJ services. Mr Davidson has upset so many people, a support page has been set up on Facebook for his victims. Despite him charging up to 1500 quid for packages, some brides claim he never showed up at all. Others... Uh, ordered the full buffet for up to 150 people, but were given plates of custard cream biscuits and doughnuts still in Asda packaging. There's a woman here, Kelly Dickens from Nottingham, found JLS on Facebook and paid £1,000 for a hot and cold buffet, room decorations and a DJ. She said he turned up an hour late, stinking of alcohol, and claimed the decorations were on their way. The food was cold because his hot plate wasn't working, so nobody could, uh, could eat it. Isn't that dreadful? Be careful. Be very careful. That, that's, that's absolutely terrible that people get ripped off like that. We, we've had it before. I've seen them d- done on the television where sort of the bride is still waiting for the dress. And then it turned out... And then they, they, they've gone, oh, I'm terribly sorry, I've actually gone bankrupt. My favourite story was the other night, can't pay, we'll take it away. And this one I derived even more pleasure from than anything else. Woman owes £6,000 for whatever it happened to be. Bailiff's turned up and uh, uh, we're not coming in my house. And so they said, well, you know, anyway, one of them got in the back because the back door was open. And of course, if a door's open, they can enter. Bailiffs from the High Court can do this perfectly legally. She was having none of it. 
I'm calling the police. He said, call the police. I've got more stamps on this thing. And it's a right nasty little piece of work. In the end, the police turned up and they said they're high court bailiffs. The, the husband was very reasonable. She was an agitated little person who wasn't getting her own way and quite clearly wasn't used to not getting her own way. And uh, she said, you'll be in trouble, won't you? No, the husband ended up paying the £6,000. Made her look very stupid. So that was good news. And uh, afterwards, they all had a good old get-together. Not the, uh, not the woman who was sort of saying, get out of my house. Get out of my house. She was shouting in there. For, at one point, she assaulted him. Nasty little piece of work she was. But I'm glad they got the money back. She said, this is in the bankruptcy court. You know, you'll, you'll be in dead trouble for this. And he said, well, I'm sorry, but I've got the date here. And he sort of proved it. She'd ripped it out of his hand. She was horrible. She was really vile. So that's what these poor bailiffs... And one of them explained. He said, I have to go to somebody's house to do a job. You know, we're very polite about it. She, Get out of my house. Get out. You wait till the police get here. You're going to have red faces, aren't you? And, of course, the police arrived and no such thing happened at all. She was the one who was pushed into another room because she was quite vile. Foul-mouthed little old bag she was. But, uh, anyway, the husband had to pay. First credit card didn't work, but the second one, they, they got their 6000 whatever it was. So they went out very happy. Whether it, whether it went back later on, I've got no idea. But it made her look unbelievably stupid. And all I kept thinking was, because they said, oh, there's going to be a twist to this one. And I'm thinking, oh, God, she's going to turn out to be right. But they very rarely, very, very rarely make mistakes. And they were saying, either you pay it or we're going to start listing goods to take away. And the car's going to start with. So, of course, the husband is thinking, oh, just he's obviously under the thumb from this poor woman. I said, because she, she lost the plot completely. She was, you know, you owe money, you pay it back, dear. Doesn't look very good, does it, when the bailiffs come and stand in your naff house and want the money back. But I loved it. I thrived on it. And they were so polite about it. But he, uh, she was an assaulter. She assaulted one of them. Really not good. Steve, the Nolans were known for living locally in Seven Kings. And Jesse J was another singer from the area, says Jem Jem. Yes, I mean, I, I, I know uh, Ilford. I don't know Seven Kings. Perhaps I should, actually. Perhaps I should reacquaint myself with, uh, with that side of town. Uh, Chris, in the RAF, based in British Forces Cyprus, RAF Coningsby was where the Dambusters set off from, rather than the Battle of Britain aircraft. They were mostly based around London and Kent, incidentally. Uh, Battle of Britain Day is 15th of September. Lovely. Yes, Coningsby, I remember it very well. Can you put up RAF Coningsby? Thank you. I'd like to make him work, you know, get his little fingers active, you know. That's it, REF Coningsby. Yes, you're earning your money here. And uh, what REF Coningsby uh, is, has it got the... Um, oh, you can visit, actually. Perhaps I should visit. Perhaps I should visit. They have the um, the Vulcans there, don't they? They have the Vulcans. Um, oh, they've got a shop and everything. Good Lord. And there's um, a gift shop. Blimey, you can go into a hangar. Oh, I like the sound of this. All very exciting. But it was Coningsby. And it was only because my brother went... It is, of course, it's a long way away. Actually, we were surprised how many RAF stations there are around the country, but that's the one that we were we were based at. And uh, wait a minute, what does it say here? It says um, it's a Royal Air Force station, eight and a half miles southwest of Horncastle, and nine point eight miles northwest of Boston in Lincolnshire. And um, it's down, 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 down. So the station is the home of Number Forty One Test and Evaluation Squadron. And uh, also the Typhoons came out of there. Since 2007, the Typhoons of Number 3 Squadron have formed part of the air defence. The station is home to 121 Air Wing, whatever it is, Air Wing. And um, thank you, expeditionary. Sometimes I get words I can't do. And uh, it was built in 1940. Current commander is Group Captain Jez Attridge, O-B-E-M-S-C-R-E-F. 
Wow. It does the Battle of Britain Memorial flight as well. That's the occupant, one of the occupants there. How amazing is it? You know, when you find something that you knew as a, as a child, I'd love to go back there if there's a sort of thing again. Actually, we used to live here years ago. I can't remember what year it was, but I was, I was quite young, quite young. Because uh, when, 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 my brother said Patrington. I said, no, Patrington was up in Yorkshire. That was another one we were at. We seemed to just wander around REF stations, actually. But I remember the Naffy, which is where you got all your food and everything else. And, uh, and where I went to school, I've got no idea. Can't remember if it was on base or it was off base. Could have been either, actually. Uh, Daily Mail today. Harry makes Meghan his African queen. Oh, leave them alone, for goodness sake. Honestly. And also, how could I have fallen for the monocled moron? This is, um, strangely enough, Chris Eubank. Uh, With his wife, they got married in Vegas in 2014. Didn't last very long. She calls him a cheat, a a fake a liar, a preening peacock. He always turned up with this bag under his... Sh- there was something the matter with him. He wasn't the full ticket, was he, really? And um, she said, being hit on the head so often must have affected the brain. Well, I would think that was probably quite right for a, a lot of people. Don't you think so? You see a lot of boxers who, who fall by the wayside. And um, he, he's sort of basically promoting his son, I think, now. Isn't he? He's Chris, Chris Eubank Jr., who's sort of apparently very good, so they say. But um, I don't know anything about it. I don't even follow... Boxing. I only know about Chris Eubank because I interviewed him years ago because he said something about somebody that was offensive and I can't remember what it was. And I went to interview him and he said, he said, did you did you think it sounded offensive? I said, well, not really. Not really. I thought his wife was lovely, actually, but it might have been one of his other wives. I don't know how many he's had now, but they don't seem to last very long, do they? Um, Gary Bushell talking about no fun in the house full of nobodies. And um, they, they, they really are nobodies. I mean, it's it's really, really embarrassing. But um, they say here, early favourite, Sean Williamson, also known as Barry out of EastEnders, out of EastEnders for 13 and a half years, if you're counting. Sean's first night mission was to look like the most nervous housemate ever, something he achieved before they even gave him the task. And then the Sarah Harding, uh, booked presumably in the hope she'll get sloshed and slag off Cheryl. Paul Dannon, who in reality TV terms has been round the block more times than an Uber driver with a broken sat-nav. Likeable but deluded Sandy Bogle, who weakened Googlebox by leaving it, and self-styled psychic Derek Acora, who's threatening to expose a presence in the house with his spirit guide Sam. Did you see anything? It was so funny, I was reading something about Derek Acora the other day. He gets 90% of things wrong. I mean, put it this way, you'd do better making things up. He got everything wrong about the royal family, he got things wrong about Cheryl, said she'd go back with her first uh, bloke and get pregnant and have a girl, as opposed to the fact they've had a boy and she didn't get it with him, she got it with little Liam Payne. And uh, so Derek Acora, as I said, I, I can be more successful than Derek Acora. Derek Acora, rubbish. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. You know, he stands there with his big puffy red face and you think to yourself, you know no more about the spirit world than I do when I am in a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's as tedious as that, poor soul, honestly. What it must be like to be exposed on television as a fake. You know, somebody who, I mean, even if, he's, even if he was guessing he could have done better, but he claims it's coming from the other side. Oh, I can't believe that. He's the most boring man on the television. That's why you don't see him very often on television. It's best not to, because most of it is just cold reading. It's cold reading and it's not good enough. But uh, anyway, never let it be said that half these fake psychics don't turn up on the television and manage to hoodwink people into sort of believing that they're getting messages from the spirit guide. They must sit at home and think, how can we rip the public off? I know, let's pretend I've got a spirit guide called Wasami. Or something like that, or a Red Indian guide, or something. They always come up with rubbish, don't they? And we go, oh, right, because people want to believe it. People like believing it, and yet when you look at his track record, he didn't know anything. 
He seriously doesn't know anything. It's just rubbish. I'd like to sit him down in the studio and go, OK, tell me about my mother. Is she not coming through to you? Well, she passed over some years ago. All right, try my father. And of course, he won't be able to do any of that. He, won't be to... he said, he said oh, I'll, I'll be contacting Diana in the house. Or Jade Goody, he said. Well, you couldn't understand Jade Goody when she was alive, let alone now she's passed over. Who was the other one he was going to do? He was going to do somebody else. And you think, why don't you do somebody interesting? You know, come, come up with something really, really interesting. Is it? Why don't you talk to the Queen Mother? But of course, it's a load of old hogwash, isn't it, really? OK, what we do, we take a short break. We've got 15 minutes for to end of programme. The Sun are still doing their, their competition, your last chance, thank God, to win a caravan. I mean, I don't know what they think their readers are, but this is a static caravan. It's one of these little things that you couldn't tow it behind your car. It would just fall apart. It's got two little wheels. It arrives on a lorry. And uh, the closing date for this competition is the 28th of August. They're milk. It's only worth 40 grand. I could understand if it was worth something interesting, but it's not. You know, they've been running this thing for the best part of three or four weeks. Rubbish. Win a caravan. It's like on Bullseye. Oh, you've won a speedboat. They live on a council estate. What, a microwave oven, hello, in this day and age. My favourites, though, are on... What's that programme? Um, the higher... and Not the higher, lower thing. Anyway, uh, The Price is Right. That's brilliant. And here's your showcase showdown. And the curtains open the doors to reveal the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen in your entire life. And he goes, right, first of all, a holiday. And then at the end, you have to give a price. You can be £5,000 either side of it, blah, 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 blah. And, and they've got rubbish. And here's some furniture. Everybody's got furniture, unless you're living in a squat. Why are they offering you furniture? So we're going to throw out that stuff that your mother's just bought to put this tat in there. I mean, the rubbish prizes. It re- it's re- dreadful. And here it is. It's a microwave oven. They do that on Bullseye. Uh, Jim Bowen will say, and look, super smashing, you've won a microwave oven. And the, look, the audience practically go, ooh. And it's like, it's a microwave oven. I was watching one of those channels that sell tat jewellery. And the uh, the poor woman selling it was going into raptures about a pearl and how multifaceted this is. And they leave marks in it to show the perfection because if it's too perfect, people believe it's fake and all the rest of it. I thought it looked like a pile of rubbish anyway. And uh, eventually we sort of get down to it. And she's she's going, I mean, practically she's under the desk with the excitement of this pearl, which comes with a, a chain. And it, like, what else? You could stick it to your forehead or something. And so she sort of goes into bimbo raptures about, oh, this pearl and all the rest of it. And what does it come down at? Including the chain, 49 quid. And then we went down to 32. By this time, she's on the floor. She's on the floor. She's so excited by, are you sure? We're going to take another 30% off it. I'm thinking, it's rubbish. That's why. But then, of course, the people who are buying this obviously have never seen jewellery before and seem to think if you buy a pearl that's worth sort of, you know, 30-odd quid, you're getting something really fantastic. Suckers. Love it. Uh, 13 minutes to seven. We're having a look at some of the bullseye prizes. Super smashing we've got here. This is uh, a food uh, processor, which is lovely. Uh, a set of luggage. I mean, dear God in heaven, who doesn't have a set of luggage? What was that? Oh, a video recorder. Uh, there's also... Oh, uh, now you're going to win a collection of uh, things. A toaster and a kettle, an electric knife and a sandwich maker. And you can take all those back to Bridlington. And they go, oh, lovely. OK, and here is, here is the car. Or something like that. They offer some naff car. And all you've got to do is just, you know, a, a washing machine. Who are they appealing to? Who is this... Pro- you can't beat a bit of bully. You blooming well can. You really... I mean, seriously, it, it's absolute rubbish, the stuff they were offering on it. But I used to love it. And he say, and, you, and, and you've got your bully mug, and he, he gives them a mug, and it's got some money in it. Mind you, my favourite was Mr and Mrs with Derek Beatty. You know, be nice to each other. 
you know, kind of thing. And you look at these couples and you could see that they were just about ready to kill. And, uh, and you, you could win a carriage clock. And here's our lovely hostess, Susan Cuff. I like the yes-no interlude on another programme. Do you remember that one? So, so, so what's your name? Julian. Yes. There you go. And that's it. If, if they said yes or no, then they got caught out. It was hilarious. It was very funny. But all of those early quiz shows I liked. I mean, you know, it, it didn't really matter whether you knew the answer, because most of the answers, you know, you could have, could have given a three-year-old and they, they would have known the answer and probably written some better questions. But uh, they all do it. And all these people made a, made a good living about it. I think we, at one point you could win a house. America, it was hilarious, because they, they used to give away... You know, houses, cars, like no tomorrow. You want a car and people go, I don't want the car, I wanted the spade. And, um, you know, because they used to have the most fantastic things. I mean, on one of them, a Mickey Mouse telephone. I mean, are they really, did they really think the audience, my favourite was um, a Nigerian quiz show on the television where they had, here is the American quiz show and it was all razzmatazz, you want a car, here's a new house being built for you and we've got motorbikes and everything else and on the Nigerian quiz show today, a set of glasses and some paperbacks. <laughs> that, was, that was the exciting thing and I'm thinking, they've really got it wrong here, haven't they? Really got it wrong. I'm still getting emails from Nigeria. I don't know why. Oh, look, a remote-controlled car. In the days before, do you remember remote-controlled cars? It had a cable that attached to the car. Nowadays, they're all, you know, I've got a little tiny helicopter, but that's my business. And, um, and you can sort of fly it around, it lights up and everything else. In those days, if you had an electronic police car, it came with a long piece of flex and you had to stand it and push it. So you had to walk with it as opposed to driving around. That was another prize from Bullseye. The rubbish they gave away, but most of the people, you know, and then you'd have the bloke standing by the dartboard. OK, take, take your time. I, th- I thought I'd, if I would stand, I'd be throwing the darts at him. It was, it was so irritating. It was so irritating. But funny at the same time. But you watched them, and I, I just watched it to see what, what the prizes were. You know, and then and Brucey was doing his thing, and, uh, and people sort of competed. The audience, they encouraged the audience to shout out, Hi, you know, what do you think this is worth? You know, it's a toaster. Is it worth £9.99, £29.99, or £49.99? And they go, oh, £9.99. No, £49.99. Depends where they buy it from. So, you know, some of it, you were, you were destined just not to win anything at all. It was all very embarrassing. But, uh, but we, we grew up watching it. And that's why it's a shame, because I think Bruce Forsyth was one of our best quiz people. He was, even from the early days of the Generation Game uh, and all of that sort of stuff. He's 89 now, and you know that he's, uh, they, they've said, which, frankly, we worked it out years ago, that there's no chance that he'll be, he'll be back working. He's, uh, he's just... He's settled back to uh, to the retirement. And I shouldn't imagine 89, because he's been fit all his life and he's done loads of things and he loved working. I bet in the last few years of his life he made more money through doing Strictly than uh, than he made in the rest of his career. Although, who was it who died and didn't leave? Sorry? Break? Have we not had the break? Oh, right. Oh, Lord. Oh, I was going to... Oh, right. Oh, so I got carried away. I was trying to think there was somebody... Oh, that Val Dunican didn't leave very much money in his will. I was very surprised at I thought the huge success that was Val Dunican. Nice man. I liked him a lot. I'm so sorry I'm late for the break, so I'm not even going to tell you what the time is in case the management listen in. So I'm just going to go, oh, it's quarter to seven. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Five to seven is uh, the time. So I think we actually sorted out the world this morning. I've worked out in my, in my tiny little mind that uh, Brooklyn Beckham, who keeps showing his body off now, but uh, the best news that uh, Brooklyn Beckham has told us, and we wish the rest of the family would say the same thing, is that when he goes to university, 
whatever that was. Um, he, he, he's going to take a two-year sabbatical, so he's going to step out of the limelight. Thank God for that. Now, provided you take your father with you and the rest of the family, we'll be quite happy. Uh, the deadly zombie drug found in babies' toys. This is, I mean, smuggled into prisons on a daily basis. I think prisons have got to be the easiest. If, if you want to buy cigarettes or drugs, just knock on the prison door and ask them if they've got any. Because that's the best place. And probably much cheaper than you'll find in the, uh, the corner shop. Uh, Kevin Peterson wants to save rhinoceroses. It's always a good thing to save rhinos, isn't it? It's their horn that uh, gets uh, t- um, cut off. You get poachers who take rhinos' horns. Because apparently it's an aphrodisiac. I don't know if that's it being powdered down or left in its original form. I can't quite work out what you're supposed to do with it. Uh, also, the climb down by the National Trust Chiefs. They really screwed up on this one. On the gay pride badges row. The bloke who left them the house, they discovered, was gay. So they've now told everybody he was gay. That, that, I mean, he's dead. But his, uh, his family and his godchildren think it's got absolutely nothing to do with the National Trust. Honestly, if you sort of dug him up again and went, excuse me, you know, they've actually outed you as gay, say, well, I'm having the house back again. And so then to sort of make it look as though they were terribly PC, although to be honest with you, I think they've only done this to try and draw attention to the house. They uh, asked all their guides there to wear a gay pride badge. Imagine asking a 75-year-old, can you wear a gay pride badge, Mrs Popplethwaite? Sorry? Gay pride badge, dear. What for? Because the man who owns it was gay. Really? I mean, what a stupid thing. National Trust screwed up big time on that one. Uh, Snooty on Sea. I didn't get round to the seaside resorts. Um, because there's places like Frinton and all sorts of places where it's 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 supposed to be quite nice, but they don't really want outsiders. They'd rather keep it uh, for themselves. And I didn't get round to the superfood salad and the Big Mac. 150 calories, which is it? The one that's got the most is the superfood salad. Because <laughs> I always thought salads were, were really good for you. and I But I can't get into the exciting stage about salads. I've got, you know, I, I look at salads and I think, it's, it's very nice. But you'd have to cut up some chicken in it or, you know, some ham or something like that and then drench it in salad cream. I've got no intention of doing it any other way. Uh, Namibia's last lion has been saved, so I was very pleased about that. Uh, the man who betrayed her with the Diana tapes, they're on YouTube. In fact, you'd be surprised what's on YouTube. I've horrified myself this morning. Uh, Harry's on holiday again, but it's under the guise of he's taking around to see a rhinoceros or something like that. Uh, Amir Khan says he hasn't slept all night after the heartbreak over the, over the split from the wife. Like he, of course, is the paragon of, uh, of innocence. Uh, Liam Gallagher says he gets loads of attention from fellas. Can't imagine why. Who on earth would be interested in an arrogant old person like that? Sarah Harding's agent is now working overtime to try and get some interest. I mean, she's tried everything else. She tried the acting, tried the singing. She tried the ligging. In fact, uh, now she's tried Big Brother. It's all become a bit tedious, really. But uh, she thinks we're going to be seeing another side of her. Nobody's interested. Nobody's interested. Uh, the Royal Marine Conmando, Conmando, who claimed he was a special forces. He, he was going out with this lady. He claimed he was a special forces uh, person. In fact, he was a solar power salesman. And he sort of he lied about it. The, these fantasists are very peculiar, aren't they? And um, the person who's changing, changing gender for the first time, boy to girl, back to boy, now wants to go back to, uh, to girl again. So there you go. And, um, and 22 people caught having sex in public in Magaluf. Not a very good reason for not going there. You get the same effect in Blackpool. It's just that Blackpool's not as glamorous, I suppose, is it really? You can't make Blackpool glamorous. That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed. Don't forget, 9 o'clock this evening, Rachel Riley and Dominic Cooper for In Conversation. Do not miss it. It's, they're both very flirty, flirty interviews. You just have to sort of you have to go with the flow, but they're very, very good. And you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download that free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's Conversation at 10 It's Andrew Pearce, but right now it's Ian Payne in for Andrew Castle. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.